The programme which follows is a seasonal interlude for Christmas and the New Year here on Search for Truth. On Search for Truth Radio next week, we'll resume our studies on Ecclesiastes, that unusual book from the Old Testament of the Bible. But Brian, David and I send you this week our very best wishes for a happy Christmas time and New Year 2021. The past year has been strangely different since the coronavirus pandemic hit us early in the spring. It's changed many lives, affected all families and taken thousands of people into eternity. It's raised many questions and brought our studies from Ecclesiastes on the meaning of life into sharp focus. Today, Brian, your Bible teacher on Search for Truth Radio, brings us a seasonal message of hope for everyone. It was to bring a marvellous hope to all mankind that Jesus Christ came into the world. And we'll hear about it now from Brian. Hello, John. At the beginning of this year, way back in early January, very few, if anyone at all, had any idea how 2020 would turn out. For a great many of us, it'll have been the most unusual year of our lives. A year when very many plans were disrupted such as holidays cancelled and weddings postponed. Among my personal acquaintances are those who lost loved ones without being able to say goodbye to them in person. It's hard to imagine the heartbreak that they went through. Students' exams, their further education prospects and hopes of employment have been other sources of stress and frustration. Many, sadly, have lost their jobs and businesses. The UK has gone into recession and the global pandemic death toll was over one million in the first nine months of the year alone. In all these ways, frustration built and erupted in protests as life came to appear even less purposeful than usual. In keeping with the tenor of our current studies in Ecclesiastes, meaning and hope for the future seem to become all the more elusive. After all, isn't it unfair not to have an exam result you've earned? Unfair to be denied a traditional college experience or that dream job you've worked hard for, all through no fault of your own but owing to some rogue virus. Joseph was someone whose plans and world were turned upside down. It all began with the shock he faced when the girl he loved and whom he'd committed to marry disclosed to him the fact that she was pregnant. Here's how Matthew records it in opening his gospel. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfil what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Poor Joseph, 
He was just getting over that shock when something else totally unexpected happened. He'd taken Mary to be his wife, that is, his betrothed wife, and together they must have been planning for the arrival of this most special child, when the politics of that time intruded rudely into the daily routine of their lives. Their ruling Roman masters decided that everyone had to register as part of a census. The enrolment was to be performed at their birthplace. I'm sure that must have meant that Joseph, the village carpenter, would have to shut up shop for a while. He and the pregnant Mary would have to make a not inconsiderable journey, one made all the more delicate due to his wife's condition. Luke, in his Gospel, tells it like this, chapter 2, verse 1. Now in these days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. It's worth noting that last sentence in our Bible reading. I think people often, quite mistakenly, have the idea that it was a stressful, last-minute rush to find accommodation before the baby came. Not so. It was while they were there, at Bethlehem, that the time came round for Mary to give birth. There was no particular drama over the precise timing of the birth. Since they had relatives in that place, I'm sure there's little doubt that they were in fact staying in the home of some of Joseph's relatives. The popular version of No Room in the Inn arises from a controversial translation of a word that elsewhere is translated as an upper room, that is, the guest room in a family home. This is a much more likely and realistic scenario. However, a nativity scene set out in a bare stable is a much more marketable idea, and so it'll stick in the public mind. And to a large extent, it's beside the point as far as the true significance of what was happening. What was taking place then is so spectacularly wonderful that nothing else matters by comparison. As the angel had told Joseph, this was God sending his son to be born as the Christ child. God was visiting his creation in a very profound way. This spectacular news had settled Joseph's troubled mind and allayed his fears. Mary hadn't betrayed him, far from it. Whatever, in particular, troubles us at this anxious time, the same stunning truth that settled Joseph's fears can settle ours too. And there have been many other fearful things occurring this year. In the UK, Extinction Rebellion have been forcefully trying to get their message across to us, which is that if people don't change the way they live, then we and our planet will die. In the USA, the headlines have prominently featured the Black Lives Matter campaign with its Take the Knee movement. The Take the Knee movement is a protest against the unfair treatment of black Americans and in particular a stance against alleged police violence towards black people. It swept the world as a response to the homicide of George Floyd, who was alleged to have tried to use a forged $20 note in a grocery store on the 25th of May. 
he was restrained by police at the scene and the video of a white police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck went viral. This sparked protests all over America, but also in Britain and Spain and Nigeria, in fact all across the world. Why did this strike such a profound chord? It seems to have been that phrase, I can't breathe. It's become the mantra of the suffocating evil of racial oppression. What's more, it even resonates with the present pandemic and the breathing difficulties it causes. And so there's the double dread of coronavirus and institutional racism. Into all this, the Bible sounds a note of calm. In Psalm 46, it announces, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change. Cease striving, God says, and know that I am God. That last instruction is so much better than the old British wartime advice of keep calm and carry on. In fact, I only recently observed the marginal alternative reading in the psalm in my Bible version. It reads, relax and know that I am God. People have tended to make this season of the year into a stressful time, commercially and financially, which is a great pity. On top of the usual, it seems this year there's much greater stress around. One survey tells us half of voters under the age of 35 believe it's at least somewhat likely that humanity will be wiped out in the next decade or so. Outside of any debate about that perception, this is a major source of anxiety for millions. The Bible foretold a time when people by not living as they should, will defile the earth. And that's why judgment will come. Isaiah says in chapter 24, the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The world fades and withers. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and those who live in it are held guilty. However, this is not the full story of the Bible's apocalyptic vision. The book of Revelation reassures us that human actions will not determine the fate of this planet, nor the duration of life on it. God does have the whole world in his hands, and your personal future too. The Bible calls on its readers to remember Jesus Christ. God come in human flesh, our creator introducing himself to us and with the purpose of serving by his death on that cross, the sentence that was ours because of our rebellion against God. At the end of a tumultuous year, let's hear those words again, relax and know that I am God. Once we know God has forgiven us, after we've turned away from our sins and believed on Jesus, who was born to be our saviour, then we can finally relax. For then, much more than Christmas is sorted. By discovering God in Jesus, we discover true meaning, value and personal hope.
I hope you enjoyed today's talk. If you've any questions you'd like to ask Brian, then do please write in. Uh, just for this week, no transcript book of this programme is available. But the study on Ecclesiastes will continue to be aired from next week with another four talks so that the book is still available. Uh, here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book just write in and ask for the title Does Anyone Know Why We're Here? You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Many thanks for your company today. It's been great to have you with us. And we resume our studies on Ecclesiastes next week with a talk entitled Nostalgia Ain't What It Used To Be. But for now, we leave you with our very best wishes for every happiness for the season of Christmas and New Year. I look forward to you joining us again next time, but till then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers, and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, may God richly bless you. Lord,